Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Hacks Season 2. And to do that, we are joined once again by basically official third chair of the Hunting Seasons <laughs> podcast and actual host of the Swapcast podcast, Paul Mitzi. How you doing, Paul? Good, thanks. It's been a while since I've been on like a main review episode. I'm excited to get back into the swing of it. Do you remember what it was? What the last like main review episode we did together was? Because obviously you've been on Off Topic, Hot Topic a bunch of times. <sighs> was it? The last season of Hacks? It, I can't that remember. That would be a year ago if that was the case, which is quite possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, welcome back to the I, podcast. I, I feel like there might have been something else, but I can't remember. Mm. Uh, the, we did we did do sort of our uh, review of Upload Season 2, but that was inside an off-topic hot topic, I think. We didn't do that one <laughs> officially. But that was just more of like you berating me for uh, <laughs> 20 minutes. It I don't know good. if you can count it as an actual review. It was great. It was one of my favorite <laughs> reviews we ever did. <laughs> what, what's happening with the Swapcast podcast, Paul? Um, yeah, just chucking along. I think the next episode that will be out. Uh, when when does this one come out? This will be out soon. The next couple of days, probably. Okay, so this week as well, um, we're reviewing uh, the film All Cheerleaders Die, which is mm. a film about lesbian witch zombies. Um, with uh, a film with this giant lesbian fan base and uh, yeah we're just trying to unpack why that is (laughs) 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 very nice yeah what's been happening Uh, with you Damask anything exciting what has happened Um, I I can't remember if I was I engaged last time yeah you were engaged last time okay (laughs) cool so I don't need to update anyone on that um, literally nothing then has happened. <laughs> nothing the, that big, that's for nothing sure. Nothing that big, no. Fair enough. Let's get to our spoiler for review of Hacks Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Deborah Vance has taken her show on the road. Out to develop a new, realer stand-up routine, the comedy queen is touring the USA with Ava, who is nervously waiting for a self-made bomb to drop on her career along for the ride. Season 2 of Hacks sees the return of the hit first season's core cast, including the now Emmy award-winning star Jean Smart, and joined by newcomers Ming-Na Wen, Laurie Metcalf, Harriet Harris, and Susie Essman. Hacks Season 2 consists of eight episodes, which is two fewer than Season 1, each coming in at around 33 minutes, and took us approximately four hours and 25 minutes to watch. In June of 2022, Hacks was renewed for a third season. So before we get to our spoiler-free review, I'd like to ask you both, starting with you, Paul, do you remember what your thoughts were on season one of Hacks? I fucking loved it. It's <laughs> a great show. It's just a joy to watch. Uh, the performances are great. The writing was fantastic. Uh, it was set in a world that I was really, really interested in. Um, I think it just fired at all cylinders and yeah, just a great show. I was so hyped for season two. Damask, what about you? Oh boy, did I give it a glowing review or what? <laughs> did you listen back recently? <laughs> I read, no, I didn't listen back. I just read through my notes. Um, I, I was beside myself with glee at the existence of this show. I thought the performances <laughs> were incredible. The writing was fantastic. Um, I was fully invested in the plot. It just like fives across the board. 
That's right. And I was the Debbie Downer who enjoyed the show quite a lot, but just <laughs> wasn't as in love with the show as you two both were. Um, while you were giving it a five, four gave it a 4.5 and I gave it a four. So, you know, I was the uh, loser had to drag down the score for it, I'm afraid to say. Uh, with all that in mind then, Paul, as our guest, you have the honour of going first. Could you give your spoiler-free review for Hack Season 2, please? Uh, so, going into this season... I wasn't nervous at all. Like the first season was just so good. It just gave me complete confidence that they would be able to keep this train going. And boy, did they do that. This second season is just as enjoyable as the first. Uh, And probably even more so in some respects, uh, because the heart of this show is the friendship between Deborah and Ava and because it's already been established from the beginning of the season, um, you've got that joy of just watching them together and interacting in that way. Um, and obviously there was the big question mark about the cliffhanger, mm-hmm. but I feel like the way that they deal with that is super fun and super funny. Also so has some like, oh, fuck moments that like, <laughs> you know, watching was just painful but also like just a joy to watch just how they pulled it off um and uh the other surprising thing with this second season is some of the things i didn't love about the first somehow i did in this one which was like the the side characters specifically um the character of Kayla, sure, who mm. I thought was insufferable in the first season. And I uh, heartily agreed with you on that one too. Yeah, but what they do with that character in this season just absolutely cracked me up. I love that whole storyline. Um, the interactions between Jimmy and Kayla and what happens to Jimmy, I just, I thought were highlights this season. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, absolutely love this season. Um, I had some issues with the finale, but we can get to that in spoilers. I felt sure. like it felt a bit... It reminded me a lot of uh, the season finale of Angel. I don't know if you guys finished Angel. The series finale of Angel? The series finale of Angel. Damask, I bought Damask all five seasons of Angel. And she has actually Never not made her way through Never Angel when... Brought and I are together. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it. Have we talked about this in the podcast? Yes, the fact that, like, yes, we have. <laughs> um, I have seen the series finale of Angel. I have. So the the thing is with that series finale is it that it's just better felt- than how Buffy finished. I agree. It is much better than how Buffy finished. It is, but it it also is like you know when you're slow building problems that the characters are dealing with for the whole series. And then all of a sudden. All of a sudden in the last episode, it's like, we have to solve everything and this is how and we, let's just like, and suddenly it's like whiplash. And this show, this last episode kind of has that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's been renewed for a season three kind of changes that as well, which Mm. I didn't, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, is this the series finale? Yeah. Um, So, Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens in season three, but um, yeah, overall, I heartily recommend this season. Sure, Damask. Um. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> um. Oh. Look, no, it's it's not shocking at all. All of my thoughts <laughs> about last season still stand. Uh, the show is funny, full of interesting characters that I adore. Minus one who I still am not in love with. Um, And it's just jarring because I am so in love with everyone else. That's all. It's not because necessarily they're bad character. I'm just less invested. Um, This season we move away from the questions of what's funny and also the work that goes into answering that. Instead, we're focusing on the personal lives of our characters, the flaws that make them great at their job, but entirely unable to be kind and vulnerable people. Being emotionally dysregulated makes for solid laughs, I should know, but sacrificing selfish needs for making space for other people in their lives is the journey this year for many of our characters. Um, I will say that Paul mentioned the, I guess, cliffhanger, the thing that happened at the last, at the end of last season. Um, the, yeah, the way they solve that or deal with that 
is very funny. I was worried that this season was just going to be a stress fest and that I wouldn't be able <laughs> to deal with it. Um, the the question of, you know, who's going to find out what, when it's dealt with um, in very, very funny ways and the pain never outweighs the fun or humour of the situation. Um, yeah, but like I said, everything I said still stands. If you want to know my opinion about this show, literally listen to the season one review because it's all very similar. They've done it again, folks. Yeah, I loved it once again. Very nice. In a similar vein to what you just said, most of my thoughts about season one are how I feel about season two. I am having a good time with this show, a very good time at times. I'm... I struggle to fall in love with the show still. Oh, um, I think as a season two, <laughs> I think I'm surprised it didn't feel like it was going further. Uh, I don't know. I felt like it. My I, I really thought that the, the foundation was so good. I don't know what I was expecting. I was just hoping like this would be the season that would like find its real super groove with me and then I'd fall in love with it. I feel very similar to how I felt about season one. I had a really, really good time with it, um, but not without some things. I'm like, eh, that could have been a bit better. Um, I do agree with you about Kaylee to some degree. Taylor. I liked her lot. I, I, I'm not going to say I loved her, but I didn't dislike her nearly as much as I did in season one. I think her use was much better in this season. And in fact, that Jimmy, I think, just had more to do this season, it felt like to yeah. me, and was used pretty well. And then she was tied into that world, which was good. Um, it, the, I'm looking forward to talking about the finale, even the last two episodes to some degree. It's a very kind of pat season. I kind of felt like we'd build, build and build and build on this over the course of multiple seasons. This is going to go for more than two. And that does feel very pat by the end of it. I'm I kind of wondering whether they felt like that cliffhanger that we're sort of tiptoeing around at the end of season one, they may have felt hamstrung by. Even, even knowing that this was going to be a sort of like road trip year might have hamstrung them a bit this season. They're like, let's not do that next year. Let's make sure that when we come back, we're starting fresh and we can do whatever we actually want to do, not feel like we have to live up to the place we left off at the end of last season. Um, they also, because of the road trip thing, we spent less time with some characters that were actually bigger inclusions last year. Marty... And DJ stand out. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't love... Is it Marcus, the uh, assistant? I wasn't loving his storyline in season one, the amount of screen time it got. I kind of feel like it was a monkey's paw situation where I asked them to do to do more Ava and uh, Deborah stuff and a little bit less the side characters. And instead, they just cut the ones I didn't want them to cut and to keep around. <laughs> I was like, that's not fair, guys. Keep DJ and Marty around. Um, but I did did really love the relationship that builds between Deborah and Ava over the course of the season um, is like the, the beating heart of the show. And it works from the start to the end. There's no doubt about it. And we'll continue to in season three. And I look forward to where that takes us. Um, in a way, I guess I kind of feel a, a little bit about this show the way I do about, like, The Great Season 2, where when The Great arrived, it arrived so strong, and I was so in love with it, that when Season 2 hit, it sort of didn't go a lot further for me. I was a little bit let down. That doesn't isn't to say I didn't enjoy it or didn't have a good time, but I'm not glowing about it, if that makes sense. That's my general review. Classic uh, wet blanket brud. That's me. <laughs> Uh, I have to say it definitely was a stronger season than great season two. I, I think you're yeah, probably right about that. But I guess, yeah, it was a better way of explaining like, yeah, I yes, it was a great. It was a better, stronger season than season two. And of, great, of great season two kind of forgot about the strongest elements of the yeah. show itself. Whereas this, I think, doubled still, down. Still, it doubled down yeah, on yeah, the strongest true. elements. So. No, that's fair. You're right about that. Uh, final score and ranking. Paul, how would you score this out of five stars? How would you rank it compared to season one? I am going to go even with season one. I'm going to stick with my 4.5. Yep. Uh, even. So, what? no, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> even. Which one, gun to your head, is the better season? Season one or season two? I'm not leaving that <sighs> slip by. How dare you try that <laughs> shit with me? <laughs> you know... <laughs> If it wasn't for the last episode, I would easily say this season. Sure. But I felt like 
Yeah, the first season was more consistent in the fact that from beginning to end, like I thought every episode was a hit. Whereas I think the the highs are stronger this season, mm. but that last episode just felt like whiplash to me. Just how rushed it felt. Sure, Damask. Um, I've been umming and ahhing because I gave season one a five. I, like I said, I was absolutely in love with it. I really enjoyed this season. I think it, unlike you, Brod, I think it was uh, the logical and well done sequel to Hacks. I enjoyed the journey they went on. I liked the road trip. It felt right. Um, I liked what they did with it. But I think season one was such a beautiful um, surprise. Mm. I guess I'm going to give it a (gasps) 4.5. So it's slight. I enjoyed it slightly less, but I still fucking loved it. In a similar fashion... I am going to give this a 3.5 rather than Oh, my than four, God. You're an idiot. Because I enjoyed it slightly less. <laughs> You're an idiot. I do want to point out there as well, I think comedy shows might just be not hitting with me as much as they have in the past. And then You've might, got no sense just... of humour. I've always said that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, 3.5, which will score it under season one as well. I'm not saying it's bad. In fact, it's good. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. I look forward to season three. Um, I didn't like as much as season one. You're such a disappointment. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars or a glowing review our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we do reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Angel or the whole thing. No, the sequel or uh, prequel series, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season one. We'd also love you to share hunting seasons with anyone in your life that obsessively wants to talk to you about the latest show they've watched. Shove this in their face and it'll make them super happy. I should have made it that we made you watch Angel finally. Next week, we'll be back with our review of Ms. Marvel Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Ms. Marvel, or if you have any thoughts on hacks, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Hacks Season 2. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. So... There was a moment in this season that I legitimately started crying. Mm. Because of you were laughing so hard or because it was no, so emotional? It's emotional. Okay. And that's when Marcus's little puppy accidentally oh ate the drugs well, yeah. and was sick. I can't deal with that puppy. But it's it's too cute. That's just most- cheating though. Like <laughs> Sick puppies is not like, they've well done, you've done the work, you've reached me on a really emotional, personal level. It's a fucking sick puppy. Yeah, yeah. i got to say, like, on that point, Marcus is my low point the for the show. And yeah. <laughs> um, the fact that he was so irresponsible as a puppy parent, I it just made me hate him at that point. I'm like, you don't deserve him. Give him to your, your mum and your auntie because they love him more than you do. Well, this is what I was saying in season one. I was saying that, like, 
the there was a, a lot of attention on the Marcus storyline and like him not being able to balance his work life. He's married mm-hmm. to his job and his love life, and it like took up a lot of time. And I didn't think it was all that interesting in season one. My opinion hasn't changed in season two. No, I, I don't was think like, it's- as I was watching it for the second time just today, I was watched a couple of episodes here and there. I was like, this show is full of interesting people or people I am interested in. I don't think Marcus is an interesting person. I, I have nothing to hold on to there. Um, the best part of Marcus was Wilson, the water cop. Yeah. And mm. we hardly got to see him at all this season. So. Absolutely. I think, There's- yeah, the highlight for me in Marcus's storyline was when he comes home and his mum and auntie are in the house um, and he comes home with the puppy. He's like, you know, his auntie wanted to see his little puppy penis. He's like, I, I told you it was a boy. His name's Joe. And then she just starts rambling about little women. And it was just, that was my favorite moment. And I had nothing to do with him. She is a highlight. She's very, yeah. I, I always wonder whether that actress is just like ad-libbing or whether that's written because it feels very natural and off the cuff the way it comes yeah. out. It's a really great, mm-hmm. great delivery. Um, well, see, for me, I think DJ was a character that was surprisingly deep and mm. interesting last season. And we got one episode and then like one extra scene with her in the finale. I'm like, that fucking sucks. And Marty too. The relationship between Deborah and Marty was something that I really enjoyed in season one. Because it was kind of complex in its, you know, that then their working relationship. But also just where they are in their lives as adults. Mm. And sort of like the different things they do and don't want from each other. And there's that antagonism, but also obvious attraction. And then we get like a couple of things with Marty this season. It just felt like, damn, that was like stuff I wanted to see picked up. But this was something we picked in advance. We talked about this in our predictions. It's like, well, it, with the road trip, how are they going to involve side characters like Kiki and Marcus mm. and Marty and DJ? And the well, answer was they mostly didn't. Yeah. Well, I just want to like speak to that point of obviously, particularly in terms of a relationship with DJ is mm. that I think obviously Deborah needed the opportunity to grow and she's been in such a rut for so long that this season, I'm so glad we're getting a third season, um, that this season was, she had enough space to do that and to kind of look at her life um kind of like a bird's eye perspective um, and she was able to leave behind her natural inclinations towards selfishness. Um, that was her growth this season. So now that she's done that and coming back home, um, it would be interesting to see uh, how those relationships continue to develop. Totally. I still feel like they could have been, we, we theorised we could have broken up this season um, by having her like t- use her PJ which is a term I discovered during first watching the show, um, to fly back to Vegas occasionally. And you can still have those um, those interactions or, or those moments of like, I'm growing or I'm outgrowing this or whatever it is and have a little bit more Marty and DJ around. Because especially with the DJ stuff, when you get that final scene where she's like, oh, that was really hard to hear this for the first time, this stuff mm. in front of 3,000 people. It's like, we get one scene to sort of like decouple all of that with DJ, which... Kind of feels a little... I do wonder whether this was originally meant to be 10 episodes and got cut down to eight. Because 10 episodes Mm. was the first season and this one's shorter. And the way that the ending of the season is kind of rushed Mm. indicates to me that maybe some stuff was cut out. I don't know why. Yeah, I'd be shocked if they weren't given the amount of episodes that they wanted considering the reception and how quickly it was renewed. It yeah, was renewed know. quickly enough, but like the Emmy cycle takes a while. You're probably mm. halfway through production by the time they're like, um, you know, you're winning Emmys for the show and stuff like that. It's probably a big reason why season three is definitely happening. Mm. But I do wonder whether, um, whether yeah, it might have been a little bit shorter because for some reason, and and that might have eaten into some of that storytelling they were intended to do. Because mm. um, the thing is, so much of it is so strong, particularly the Ava and Deborah stuff that it feels like the writers would know they could have done more with the DJ stuff as well. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So the little stuff we did get with DJ, did you like appreciate that? Like the stuff around Deborah and her new husband? I did, but it kind of felt rushed in the same way. The finale feels rushed. It's like, we know we've got one episode in Vegas. This is the one episode with DJ. Let's basically mend that relationship before we go away. Is what it felt mm-hmm. like a little bit. It's like, oh, we're not going to. At the end of the episode, it was like, we're not seeing DJ much this season, and I was. Yeah. It was like you could tell. It's like got to wrap this up. 
almost in the, the, pro, the thought that maybe they didn't think they were going to get a third season in general, which is why the finale feels so pat. Why it feels so like everything's solved. If we left it here, you would feel satisfied sort of thing. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel that way about all the storylines. It feels like Marcus's storyline feels pretty pat. He's got a... He's come to terms with just being friends with uh, the water cop and um, he understands that his balance in his life between his work and his relationships is off. Uh, Ava and Deborah, you know, achieved what they were out to achieve and while it's a bittersweet ending, it could be an ending. Um, yeah, even the Marty stuff to some degree was sort yeah. of pretty Jimmy well got, Jimmy got his uh, own agency. Exactly, and- yeah. Talk to me about that finale. Why did it let you down so much, Paul? Oh, just uh, like what you're saying, it just felt rushed. Like you've got, I just, when a show is about a certain concept and it's about certain problems needing to be overcome and it's slowly building towards that episode by episode and then all of a sudden in the last episode all the answers appear and everything just happens all at once, it just doesn't feel as satisfying. The moment that stood out to me, and it's my low light of the season when we talk about that in our final thoughts. At the end of episode six, suddenly Deborah's like, I figured it out. This is how we're going to do it. And then we had what was essentially like a training montage from a fight movie, but it was a joke writing montage of them figuring out the show. And it was like, it took two minutes of some really awkward, like, what if we do this? No, you make it shorter, make it snappier. And like, what about this joke? And blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, it's solved. We fixed the show. Let's go now make it a, a Netflix special. And it's yes. like, boy, that felt really awkward, that whole yeah. the way that was I resolved. Will, yeah, I will say I would have liked more of them developing the the um, the special as they went along. And with every town or every failed show, there's a little bit of insight here or there. Or we're, we're seeing that development. I do wish I'd been able to experience that a little bit more. Um, whereas we see her bomb and bomb and bomb and then have mm-hmm. these kind of personal moments or personal reckonings along the way. But I would have liked to see that in the work itself as well. It's just the pacing of the show. Like we've had mm-hmm. whole episodes centered around the creation of a single joke mm-hmm. and then for an entire special and her career to be repaired in one episode, it mm-hmm. just felt like... It was just too much. I also thought there could have been a much bigger discussion, like a whole episode about it even, about what the fix was for the show, which was she needed to make it about her own accountability, mm-hmm. right? And there's it's a very quick conversation as she comes off stage after she has like, she finally like clicks with the audience and she's like saying that, and then Ava brings up the good points, like yeah, but the whole point was to not make you the punching bag anymore, mm. right? And but and really, it is about finding that balance that Deborah says. But it's like that could have been a whole whole episode about Ava and Deborah talking about how to make that work and not have it be still like is this actually an evolution of what Deborah was doing or not? Because mm. it felt so quickly like. No, 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 but I know I said that, but it needs to be this. And it's like, mm. oh, whoa, that felt like a big philosophical quandary in the first season that kind of just like, it's done. It's like, Yeah, damn, if they like- had like a bottle episode where they're somehow, for whatever reason, locked in a room and they yep. just have to workshop. Locked in the bus, you know? Yeah. like workshopped the thing. Yeah, like Weed comes back for revenge and steals the keys <laughs> or something. I got to say, I really enjoyed the character of Weed. Sure, it was fun. <laughs> um, even like uh, when she's filming this special and that guy dies in the audience, that mm. felt like a setup for something bigger, and then it was just brushed aside. It was kind well, of that meant was to be for Jimmy's Jimmy. moment, yeah, yeah. to yeah. prove his worth to her. Can um, we can we yeah. talk about that scene for a second? Oh, have you got something bigger to talk about? We can come back to this later. I did want to discuss. No, this no, scene. bring it up. Uh, okay, that moment, right mm-hmm. now, you've worked. Uh, Damascus and Usher. For a long time, yeah. For a long time. How many times have you had moments like that occur uh, when you've been ushering? Probably a dozen. Okay. How did you think this reflected how that actually goes down? Because I've been in the audience once when it's mm. happened, and I remember basically what happened is someone's having an emergency behind me. They like, someone said it, it was announced, the curtains closed, the actors all went off stage. We all just waited while the paramedics dealt with it. 
and then we waited until the curtains opened again, and then it went again. Honestly, sure. it depends on the production and what they sure. allow front of house to do. I remember once it happened during Harry Potter. Sure. Um, there was a man having what looked like a heart attack right in the middle of the row, um, and he was a larger gentleman, and they couldn't get him out, and so our front of house supervisor called it and it was like, no, nah, the show's stopping. Um, and then we got in a shit ton of trouble for stopping the show. They're like, you don't have the right to do that. We make that call, all that stuff. So it does depend on the production. Wow. Generally what happens... Well, that's fucked up. <laughs> ge- yeah, generally what happens is we have security come in while the show is still going um, to take them out. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I will say from a purely like... Uh, medical point of view, the idea that they took the guy out of the auditorium, tried to resuscitate him with a little bit of CPR, and then called him dead (laughs) there in the fucking foyer (laughs) does seem like the worst paramedics ever. Didn't even try a defib, didn't fucking do anything. There was no oxygen on the guy. There was nothing going on. I just assume as they were moving him out, they dropped him and broke his spine. Like, (laughs) it was just like... Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was shot by a passerby in <laughs> Vegas. It's the only yeah. explanation for yeah. how they could have called it there and then. Like you'll continue. Oh yeah, that was just like mm. shit, paramedic. Though to be um, fair, the way that he treated the usher at the very beginning when he like he <laughs> brings in an outside drink and then he like drops it on the floor, I was like, you know what, karma. That's what you get. <laughs> oh, the only thing I wanted to say about um, the finale, I don't necessarily disagree with what you guys are saying. Like I totally see it. But mm-hmm. because my mind, because of how it was playing out and the way it was written makes me go, okay, this feels like a series finale. Mm-hmm. And for that, I'm satisfied with what I'm getting. I am getting those endpoints for all of the the stories that they've been telling me for over the last two seasons. So that didn't bother me so much. I do have to mention, though, um, one of the loudest laughs um, <laughs> the show got out of me was after the show and um, – What's the other agent's name who's, like, sniping all of Jimmy's... Uh, I think it's Janet uh, or something. Janet or something like that. Ming-Na Wen yeah. uh, plays it, yeah. Um, and Ava goes, you know what? I'm sticking with Jimmy as well. And she turns to like, I don't know who you are. And then Kayla just starts yelling, and guess what, lady? You're never gonna. You will not know her. Just made me <laughs> laugh so, so much. Every every line delivery that she gives Meg. Is it Stolter or Salter? I can never remember. Stolter, yeah. Stolter. Every one of her line deliveries has me cackling. There's a video of um, Martin Short talking about that performance and how every one of her line readings is so different but so funny. Uh, he does actually an impression of her, which is pretty amazing. I need to look up this video. Yeah. Um, are you a fan of like the stuff that she does on um, Twitter? Yes, and, very yeah. much so. Um, very much so. Yeah, her like high gay um, <laughs> pride video is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could watch that a million times over. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've clearly like recognised her talents and her strengths and applied that yeah. to the show. It's the same with um, when Ava goes to meet with those kind of Hollywood bigwigs, and there's. Uh, one of the women in that meeting is um, – I've seen, like, a bunch of TikToks and stuff. She does this really popular video series where she's, like, women in a particular genre of film. She's got, like, women in action films, women in, like, sci-fi films and stuff, and she is hilarious as well. So they've clearly, like, scoured the internet for the funniest people they could find and use them really well. I've seen those videos. I didn't realise it was her. I didn't recognise her. Yeah. Um, um, I – I I don't necessarily always love the the Stolter, is it? Mm. The, the performance. Particularly in season one, my problem with her was that she felt far more cartoony than the rest of the show did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, this season, they've kind of found some sl- smaller moments with her that helped. Mm. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like in some ways, the show around her got slightly more cartoony. So... Mm. Which possibly is part of the reason I didn't like this season quite as much as the first season. I thought the first season was like wittier than it was goofy as it was sometimes in this season. But the um, but then they were on a similar level, so it made her feel like she fit more for me this season. So there was a positive aspect to that as well. You want to say something, Paul? 
Oh, I was just going to say, like, the Jimmy Kayla storyline I thought was hilarious mm. with him ending up in anger management. <laughs> that whole thing. That was quite funny. Was f- fantastic. The way that played out was very funny. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the actress that played, like, the HR woman, she's. Yes. Uh, she plays she was that a character ma- in everything and she's so good at it. Yeah, she was in Euphoria this season mm. as a drug dealer, a, a very menacing drug dealer. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting to see her in this, playing it so similarly, but yeah. with such a different vibe. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, uh, we talked already about the cliffhanger from last season, a little bit in our review. How did you feel about how that was sort of used or played? As you said, it was sort of like it wasn't left on the table for very long. It was addressed, I think, really by the end of episode one through episode two, and then it just became the running joke of like, oh, I'm suing you, with the lovely little button at the end that was sort of made more complex by the idea of, oh, I'll see you in court, which was like mm-hmm. how Ava was looking forward to seeing Deborah again. But then also she drops the lawsuit, which is a positive thing, but wait a second, why am I not mm. seeing Deborah? It was like that twist at the end made it really sing for me. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't a slightly more drama from it, I think. Oh, Maybe but just- the scene where she made her read the letter out oh. at the- is that my was highlight a- of the entire season. I so love that good. scene. Because it starts yeah. off really, really funny. Just like yes. all the comments that Deborah's made um, yes. starts really funny and then it gets piercingly hurtful mm. um, and it's heartbreaking and I think – Ava, it's played really well. The character of Ava is so upset with herself and mm-hmm. just like doesn't want to break Deborah's heart. Um, yeah, it's really, really well done. I mean, just from an anxiety perspective, I'm glad that it the secret didn't go on for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it I, it didn't bother me that quite quickly Ava decides to be honest with Deborah about what she's done, um, and the comedy that then happens after that with just simply beyond I'm going to sue you, those jokes, which I still laughed at, but just how terribly she Ava was being treated, the um, the bunk beds, her bed situation sure. made me laugh a lot. <laughs> the, the armoire in front of the bed was another <laughs> element to it. Um, so those, those jokes really worked for me, but also the realisation that Deborah could have just fired her, but there is such an emotional attachment there that she couldn't. I think also with the email, it would be very easy to never actually get to see the email ourselves. Like we saw yeah. the meeting she had. We understand what she knows about Deborah. Like a show, if it didn't want to, could just say, I sent this horrible email. You should be angry at me, right? But to be actually able to hear exactly what it was that was mm. said by by Ava and then to to go through it in the way that we did by having to read it back to to Deborah, I thought was just like, that's very, very, very good television. That's very good storytelling and very cool to get to see all that. Uh, Paul, I feel like I've cut you off again. Were you going to say something? No. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> in, in conjunction with that, how do we feel about the stuff uh, to do with Ava's dad who died late last season, was sort of like... A big, um, a big part of the first season was like mm. uh, him wanting to come and see her and sort of her keeping her distance. And then he passed away um, sort of suddenly. And how do we feel about how that was resolved, the Asher stuff, all that? Yeah, um, I guess it, it led to that episode where the mum decided to join them um, mm. on the tour. And I personally always hate those episodes of a TV show where, where parents you got, come to visit. Well, not parents <laughs> specifically, but when you've got a core gang that you love uh-huh. and then there's an outsider that comes and disrupts it and you know doesn't belong there and all the characters don't want them there and it's just like the inevitable them getting rid of them by the end of the episode. Mm. Um, those episodes usually frustrate me quite a bit and this wasn't like this wasn't an exception. I just wanted the mum to go away. Like, she was just being so awful and annoying. Yes, um, she was. It was. Yeah. I guess it was just interesting from the perspective of, obviously, in Ava's letter, she's writing about Deborah and DJ's relationship and how fucked up it is and the fact that, like, so much of it could be resolved just by Deborah saying that she's proud of her but she refuses to do that. And so Ava's realisation that she's kind of doing the exact same thing was good. Did I love that episode? No, I didn't. Uh, we somehow we've missed the. We didn't really talk about the ashes, though. Did you? Did you like like 
the idea of the having the dad's ashes, her dealing with that, how she decided to resolve that. Um, I I thought it was again, it was kind of pat um, for something that could have been an angst for her for a whole season. She just sort mm. of comes to like, ah, oh, thanks Ray for that idea. I guess I will just scatter his ashes uh, over the course of the season, and I won't really think about that anymore. And yeah. it led to that really nice moment where. Um, uh, Deborah mm. got them to turn the bus around so they could go. That in was there. that was, that was a, yeah a great moment because I was so distraught um, and having Deborah kind of put her foot down was really lovely to see. It actually made me quite emotional because it had been so tense up until that point. That was great. Um, it was a great yeah. summation of where they were at, where yeah. Deborah was petty with her, but ultimately cares about her and it was just like a really yeah. like summation of where they were at as a couple mm. as a pair yeah but it, yeah it mostly felt like a device as opposed to mm. um her really coming to terms with the fact that her dad passed away he clearly had regrets about how he'd spent the last say the last few years of his life not never you know taking time off work and traveling and yeah, expanding his own life. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of dealing with that. Yeah, but that's okay. Didn't bother me all that much. Yes, Paul? So there was a whole episode set on a lesbian cruise, which I think was <laughs> one of the best episodes of the season. Yeah, one the, of the quotes funniest I wrote down during sure. that episode. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you feel it represented your community, to ask? <laughs> um, yeah, Pretty pretty accurately, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just it, that was probably one of the more stressful episodes. Um, but then, but then they they lulled me into a sense of feeling comfortable, and then they really got me at the end there with her with her show. Um, I I really enjoyed the conversation between Ava and Deborah about sexuality and exploring it and. Um, how she came to identify as straight and all that stuff. I just thought that conversation was really well written, um, but quite clear in terms of the complexity of that subject. That was nice. And just seeing them, just the two of them together is always a pleasure. Um, I've got to say that I've really, it's important for me to state this, that the outfit that Ava wears to go to the piano bar She's dressed like a waiter at a wedding and it's unacceptable. (laughs) She's going to meet some hotties and she chooses that outfit. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, Um, yeah, it was was good. I I loved it, even though we have a moment where Deborah is singing and it could be cheesy. I was still really enjoying it, just watching Deborah have so much fun and let loose. And then, yes, we get to the performance, Performance. the show, (laughs) um, where – Deborah just says everything wrong. She starts off good. Uh, the opening is amazing when she comes out and Ava's just in the audience and says, oh, God, she's doing Ellen. And she just <laughs> had the shot of her dancing on stage, which is – I really enjoyed that. Um, but, yeah, the, the spiral of deciding to then insult these gay women, put them down, um, was horrific to watch. But somehow I was still on Deborah's side. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty I, I th- of this show. The, the, the highlight for me was then the next day when um when she's being told that she's being voted off the boat. Yeah, and like then that next scene as it plays out with Ava and the the couple, and I was like, just watching unfold because you knew it was going to happen. I was like, this is so fucking funny. Just yeah. gonna, right as this is getting, she's finally getting her way. It's like all going perfectly. Yeah, and <laughs> her shows, I was like, we're, we're, we're going. What? What? Yeah, that's that amazing. And then when the MD hits at the end, yeah. Deborah's like, I yeah. can't watch this. <laughs> Actually, in general with Ava this season, we talked a lot about in a first uh, review just how terrible a person Ava is. Mm. Uh, do we still feel that way? Did she feel like she grew? Was she any better this season? She was trying to be better by not drinking and having a dumb phone and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, well, she's she's coming at us from a different perspective and not of a looking down on everyone perspective, but she's mm. in a place where she's she's been put in her place because she did something terrible and she can't run away from it because um, of her terrible choices of just simply telling Deborah and not waiting for Jimmy to do his job. Um, so she's coming yeah, at it from a different perspective, um, which is good to see a different side of her. Uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed her journey this season. 
Yeah, and she definitely felt like she was doing what she was doing because she had a passion for it. Whereas the first season, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a lot of like her being forced to do things. Yeah, sure. And it's always you know much more fun to see someone doing something they love and that they're striving towards. Mm. Okay. Do we think the comedy, like the actual comedy we're seeing on stage, we didn't see a heap of it, but there are sort of chunks. Do we feel like that was up to par, I guess? Was it good? Was it a good example of actual stand-up comedians? Or I mean, I think it was good in the fact that I was like, yeah, there's a joke there, and yeah, I could go, <laughs> but I understand why she's bombing. You know what I mean? Like, the jokes sure. aren't that punchy. Um, so it made sense from a story perspective. But yeah, I don't think the comedy, I wasn't laughing out loud at the joke yeah. she was yeah, telling on stage. It's but a tough... It's a tough thing when you you need to pre- represent people who can be really good at what they do. Mm. It's like then to show it with something like comedy, which is so hard to be great at consistently. It's just it's all it's just yeah. a tough. I think it's like it's thing. different than what we were seeing in Mrs. Maisel, where she's like on stage and she's meant to be like the funniest. Yes. Um, whereas true. this is like Deborah's on stage and she's not doing particularly well. Sure. And I think even when she is doing well. I mean, this is a comedy special that they end up selling in on mass on QVC. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if this is, I don't think it's representative of the stand up comedy that necessarily our demographic would go mm. towards. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like, you know, I'll watch a um, Joan Rivers or even a Kathy, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her last name. Griffin. Kathy Griffin stand up special. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is funny, but it's definitely not. I think it's on par with what Deborah's doing, but it's not necessarily my sense of humor. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you guys have any side notes, Paul? Uh, just that the guy that Deborah hooks up with was Devin Sauer, who played Casper and <laughs> was the lead in the Final Destination movies. And he's having a bit of a, a moment at the moment. He's he's also in the Child's Play TV series, playing mm-hmm. dual oh, roles. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So, okay, Casper um, lives good. I didn't mind it. I haven't finished it because it's on Nine Play and that's an annoying <laughs> service to use. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you like the child play stuff, then, yeah, it, it's more child's play, more dolls killing people. <laughs> that's right. what you like watching. <laughs> um, not really a side note about hacks, but... Anything <laughs> <laughs> uh, else or...? Uh, no, I would just uh, urge everyone to look up the Megan Stalter high gay sure. um, mm. video. It's 100%. very, very good. Damask, any side notes? Um, just a couple of quotes that I took note of. Um, so, in the first episode, Ava's on the phone with Jimmy. Uh, she says, I'm ha- I'm hiding out in Deborah's Christmas room. Somehow it feels racist in here, but I can't explain why. I enjoyed that. <laughs> um, when she- Ava and Deborah having a chat, um, they're talking about, I don't know, some guy. And Deborah says, joke's on him. He drowned. Ava's like, how's that a joke? I'm laughing. That. <laughs> just classic Deborah. Um, when they're on the cruise, Deborah says to Ava, I'm going to take one of those depression naps you're always raving about. <laughs> and then when uh, Deborah is butt dialed by Marty and they get off the phone and she's disappointed, Ava just says to her, Golf is racist, right? <laughs> I love her, all of her stupid wokeness. Um, and they're having that conversation about sexuality. Um, and Ava says, have you ever considered being with a woman? Deborah says, yeah, I'm with one right now and I wish I wasn't. <laughs> but they're on my side notes. Just on uh, Ava's wokeness, it was a bit about the, the master bedrooms as well. And, how that's a term. <laughs> and then as Deborah closes the door, she's like, not your problem to solve. <laughs> your problem to solve. And there's another one where Deborah's just like, just like, put that on Twitter. It's like, stop talking to me about it. Put it on Twitter. Um Little moments I liked uh, in the psychic's office when she goes to like start the upload the computer to get things started. To Windows ninety five. Windows ninety five. So good. <laughs> That's a wonderful little yeah. detail. Um, the stalker that uh, <laughs> decides to not 
stalk oh, Deborah yes. that night. <laughs> was quite a funny little idea. It's like you're doing so badly, even your stalkers aren't stalking you anymore. But also, that was played by Carl Gass of Tenacious D fame. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen oh, you yeah. don't see Carl much anymore. Uh, so it was cool to see him. I noticed a little trend this season. There was a couple of times where we had like bad luck rituals that went wrong. There was mm. Jimmy drinking, toasting with water. And it's like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't toast that. That's bad luck. And then instantly things went bad with Ming-Na Wen's character. And then the last episode, the second last episode, Deborah shakes hands with the director with her left hand saying, oh, this is bad luck. We shouldn't do it. Mm. Was well, the only one you got because the one's out of action. And then things started to cascade out of control. So either uh, the craze are very superstitious or... Um, I don't know. That's just a joke they really like. Magic is real in the world. <laughs> yes. However, there mm. is actually a genuine repeated joke this season that kind of like messed with my brain a little bit. Mm. Did you notice that in episode six and also in episode seven, they did the same joke with Ava where she is woken up after a sleep in and the other person says... I left you stay asleep because you just looked so tired. And she replied, I look tired while I was sleeping. Now, I might think that's a joke that they're like repeating, Mm. except that it's played the same way both times. So my guess is what happened here is it was written in one script. Mm. It was then, um, it was like shopped around to different scripts. They sort of put in different places. Mm. And then wasn't picked up that it was in both of them and didn't get edited out. I couldn't edit it away because of like continuity or something like that. And I just kept it in. Because legitimately, the same joke with the same delivery. And not like building on top of it. And I was like, I I watched episode six the night before and I watched episode seven the next day. And I was like, fucking deja vu. I swear they've done that joke before. (laughs) I went back and looked and I was like, yep, exactly the same joke. It was really strange. I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't realise. I I recognise that it was in the two episodes, but I thought it was like a callback. It's like, or if it was a callback, she'd need to say, because it's the very next episode, all she need to say is like, like say it differently. Like say, how is it I look tired while sleeping or something like that? But instead she just says back to the person, I look tired while sleeping. Do you know what I mean? Like the same way. I was like, that is very interesting. Mm. Not not even a nitpick, just a really interesting like quirk I noticed. Go back and check that. Episode six, episode seven. Highlights and lowlights. What was your lowlight, Paul? My lowlight was the last episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in general, the whole episode. Just that feeling in my stomach of... This feels rushed. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there was good stuff in that episode, mm-hmm. just that general feeling of, and because it started to give me like that feeling that the show was ending, and I didn't want it to end. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'd say like the whole vibe of the last episode. It, I I like your your angel finale analogy. It's like to this. Get cancelled mid-season and they're having to wrap it all up all of a sudden. It's like, that's the feeling it gave me as well. Yeah, which is uh, what happened in Angel. Which is so. exactly what happened in Angel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Damask, what was your low light? Um, my low light is probably the mum episode. I think I just had less fun. I mean, it, it wasn't, mm, sure. I don't think, a bad episode, but just because I didn't enjoy myself as much. I'm trying to remember what Deborah was doing that episode because Kiki was there for that part too. That was the episode Deborah hooked up with the guy. Right. And we end that episode with the montage of them joke writing and figuring it out in the next. So, it's episode six. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I get. I, it really is the back half of the season, I guess. For me, the low light was that joke writing montage at the end of episode six that then rushed into like we're doing a special, which is sort of like the act three of the season. Um I guess in general, it's just it's just that rushed feeling. It's just there's something about the way this season ends that just didn't quite work as well as it could have, even with all the highlights. Speaking of highlights, what was yours, Paul? I would have to say when she was reading out the letter to mm-hmm. uh, to Deborah, it just was like such a oh fuck moment, and I was watching it through my fingers. Uh, yeah, it was just great TV. Not necessarily the funniest moment of the season, but it was just like. The most gripping moment of the season, for sure. The, the most effective, I would say, which is yeah. why it's also my highlight. I think it is the the standout scene in terms of, like, being funny, because it is funny to begin with, and then, like, being emotionally compelling, for sure. Damask? 
Uh, my highlight is probably, I don't think it's a continuous scene. I think they, it's interspersed with different things. But um, when Ava and Deborah are in Deborah's um, cabin on the boat, so it's, you know, the, the nail polish, the chat, the butt dial, just them hanging out, having good chats, but also heaps of funny lines. I just really enjoyed that. Did you enjoy the bit where she they were like sitting by the pool and they were trying to work and then she sort of taught Ava how to float because um, she didn't know how to swim and then they were sort of working workshopping the joke while they were in the pool? Yeah, why? I no, I just I just it just reminded <laughs> me of that moment too. I thought that was oh, one gotcha. of like there's it's there are really little gems of just yeah. those two doing the work. Yeah, and that might have been the one that stood out for me as like that's. That one genuinely felt like doing the work to write a joke and getting to a better place by the mm-hmm. end of it. It was I just thought that was an effective like seeing the process scene with the very on the nose like trust thing that was going on with yeah. Ava floating in the pool as well. <laughs> but but it worked. Uh, predictions, hopes, and concerns for season three. They don't Did give us a lot. Did you give a highlight? Uh, my highlight was the same as Paul's. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It was the uh, the letter, the reading the yes, email scene. That's right. uh, predictions, hopes, concerns. Yeah, they didn't give us a lot to go on. Um, we know that Deborah's a success again. She's still doing her QVC stuff. The um, Jimmy started his new business as a, a agent. Um, Marcus is in a healthy place. Hopefully, going to fix his work life balance. And Ava is working um, on staff for a show. Is that is that right? Have I got that yeah, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Any thoughts on where this might go? Well, I mean, the showrunners have said they're going to get to a point. Uh, the next season's probably going to be set a few years after where this Smart. one leaves, and then mm. um, they kind of come to the realization that they need to be in each other's lives again. So, mm. um, yeah, I can imagine um, Ava doing really well in either writing a TV show or a film um, and getting Deborah to be in it, and then that dynamic of say. Ava being a head writer or showrunner of something um, and Deborah having to listen <laughs> to Ava um, and that next level of their relationship. I There's an idea we had, I think it was you, Paul, had this idea when we were discussing predictions for this season in our last review about what if, because of all the stuff that happened with uh, Ava giving all that material to this bitch boss, bitch PM show, whatever mm. it was they were pitching, that end up who they say Helen Mirren was yeah. cast yeah. in that. <laughs> of course, it's going to series. Um, <laughs> um, what if Deborah basically made it sort of made herself a producer or something on the show, or got involved in making that show? And I kind of like the idea of yeah, somewhere along the way, either Ava's given the opportunity to make something she wants to make it about Deborah and include Deborah in it, or Deborah wants to make a TV show to sort of continue the success she's found mm. through streaming and gets Ava involved that way. I like that idea a lot. I do wonder whether Deborah is going to go back to doing the Vegas thing. It's hard to tell whether she might even go live in LA now instead of Vegas. Mm. Um, we sort of spent a lot of time establishing her little Casa de Vance in in uh, LA. Maybe that's going to be her new base of operations instead of Vegas. Um, but there's so little to go on. The idea of the time skip, though, finding them at different places in their lives mm. where Ava is now established a bit more and is not sort of just a complete rookie does excite me. I think that's that's a cool way to come back to it. And if that's what the creators needed, if they need to have this ending because they're like, we don't want to keep doing the same status quo or build on where we are right now. We want to push this a little bit further down the line to get somewhere more interesting. That's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to season three for that reason. Awesome. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy, Dra- Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes. That's B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Damask is not on social media, but no. how can people reach you? Just email Hunting Seasons or contact Broad or Hunting Seasons on Twitter. Paul, thank you very much for being on the show. Um, love to have you on again. I'm sure we will again sometime soon. Yep. Apparently we didn't between these last two ones, but <laughs> we'll find a way. At least an off-topic, off-topic episode. We need to talk about the finale of uh, 
uh, Drag Race All Stars Seven at some stage, Definitely, which yeah. Damask hasn't. Seen I gotta yet, catch up. So I'm sorry. Gotta catch up. <laughs> I have so I can't believe I get to be the one that's telling you to catch up on Drag Race. Um, <laughs> um, Terrible. Paul, uh, can you remind people where they can reach you? Uh, so we're on all the social medias, uh, Swapcast Podcast, uh, just search that. Um, Instagram's probably the best way to keep in touch with us. That's where we update the most. Um, it's also sort of turning into my own own personal Instagram at the same time. So if you want to oh. see pictures of me going running every week, like that's where you want to go. <laughs> if, if that's your what thing. A pitch. What a pitch. <laughs> uh, remind everyone what the podcast is. We didn't really talk about that. For those who don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, we review exclusively body swap movies. So movies like Freaky Friday where people swap buddies with each other or people end up uh, in a body that is not their own. Um, And we've been doing that for almost six years now. There's somehow that many fucking body swap movies. (laughs) Um, Keep finding them somewhere. A lot of them are terrible and we love ripping them apart. So, um, yeah, come and listen. It's a very lighthearted podcast. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, So, you know, give us a go. Absolutely. Check out the Swapcast podcast. We'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with our review of Ms. Marvel Season 1. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.